Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Playbook Podcast listeners, welcome into the show. My name is Phil Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers, Mr. Uh, co-host Keith Myers, been with me all the way, been with each other for, uh, what, 290 some odd episodes into this thing now. It's crazy. Um, Welcome back into the show. Uh, Last time we were together, we did a roster evaluation on the offensive side of the ball. This week, we're uh, turning over on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so far, the team hasn't moved forward yet any further than uh, I think that we were last week as far as the search for a new v- defensive coordinator. Have you heard anything, Keith? No, I haven't. Um, I do know that, like the, you said, that um, Ed Donatel's name was brought up, and they've they uh, they did ask for permission. It wasn't just like ooh, they someone floated the name. So they they did ask for permission to interview him, and I believe that they have. Um, but they want to, you know, not just interview one candidate. They want to like. Ask and they interviewed out. the guy from the Bears too, the, the the DC there. Yeah, that was Ed Donatel. No, that was the guy from Denver. It was a young that? younger guy. I can't remember what the, what his name was. I don't okay. have it written down. But anyway, separate guy. In my head, I was think that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, so they 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 are looking at names outside the organization. The the Clint Hurt going to get promoted thing uh, might still happen, but they do seem interested in bringing in new ideas, new, new, like things from outside of Pete Carroll, you know? Yeah. Someone who's, who's going to bring something new uh, to the program. So yeah. Who was, who was the DC there in uh, Denver Fangio? So it's all, it's all this kind of uh, Fangio uh, coaching tree candidates mm-hmm. so far and that's really all i've heard about um which is interesting to me the kind of whole uh tampa cover two type stuff as opposed to a single high safety that pete's been running with for a while at least wanted to run with um until earl thomas left and hasn't really been able to kind of put it together like he like he used to well, like to do and so a lot of that comes i mean you look at at the coaching tree pete carroll is actually part of that coaching tree now he's a higher up rung than than Fangio, um, but it is that same coaching tree that comes from Monty Kiffin, um, you know Lane Kiffin's father. If you really want to, you know, name the people now, but Monty Kiffin was the architect of the Tampa Two style um, defense, and you know Pete Carroll was a defensive backs coach where Monty Kiffin was the defensive coordinator. And that was uh, where Pete Carroll came up through. He was, he's part of that coaching tree. Fangio's like lower on the coaching tree because Pete had been an, a head coach for a while before Fangio made it um, up to the defensive coach level. But these are all guys that come from Monty Kiffin. Now, the idea that Pete Carroll in this cover three that they run 
and have run since he got here comes from the the Monty Kiffin cover two defense is weird. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Pete adapted and changed as he when he left that coaching tree, but wanting to go back and get into some more of those roots and um, you know, like the things that some of the stuff that they do on the front is very similar to what they did in Tampa. It's but on the back end, it's very different. So I think there's there's an idea of okay, let's let's return more to the roots of this system. And that's why they're looking at um, other guys. But there are other schemes that he knows will work with his because they're from the same, they have mm-hmm. the same DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, it's a good fit, right? Because it, 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 it adds new ideas and new things, but you know those things will work together with what you've already got. Nice. Yeah, and I... I'm I'm not terribly surprised that there hasn't been any news. Seattle's been very successful over the last, well, since this regime got into place back in 2010, of kind of keeping things under wraps until they're mm-hmm. ready to kind of have that information fold yep. out uh, publicly. And, and so I don't anticipate anything different this time. Although, you know, these sorts of things happen rapidly when they do happen. And I would expect news on this front to happen relatively soon um you know and that being you know within a couple couple of weeks so we'll we'll find out but it kind of ties into the conversation that we're having today with regards to the defense um and as we move kind of through the roster on the defensive side of the ball we'll kind of try to figure out what we're doing scheme wise too because you kind of want to put these players in the best scheme in the position to be successful pete's always you know kind of been successful at that except for the last couple of years it seems like they've really struggled in trying to match their personnel and scheme especially at the beginning of the last two seasons yeah um and that's been a major problem and that is more than anything the reason why um ken norton is no longer the defensive coordinator is because just so unadaptive so dogmatic in what he wanted to do regardless of the players that he had on the roster um and then eventually you know um changes and adaptations were made but they're mid-season after you know being a terrible defense for the first bit and they can't do that anymore they yeah the margin for error is too small yeah you've got to come in and you you got to at least be competent at the beginning of the year and And we've and we've seen that the you know the NFC West is is the best division in football, um, and so there's like I said there's no margin of error. You've got to win from the beginning of the season. You got to come mm-hmm. out strong and be ready to go. And quite frankly, they just didn't have it have enough to cut it. You know. Yeah. Um, what did, before we get into the Seahawks stuff? What did you think about this playoff weekend this last weekend in the NFL? It was quite quite a show. So the first weekend was the weekend of the blowout, and this weekend is the weekend of the last second field goal. Yeah, except for the, except the, for the final game, except yeah. for the final game, which was in overtime. Uh, so we had a last second field goal to send it to overtime instead of win. But every game was decided um, by a know, walk-off after, play. Yeah, and so it was um, absolutely a fun, exciting um, weekend of football. Three road teams won. One road team had the lead with 13 seconds left and they were, it's not like they owe oh, 13 seconds left, but the other team was driving. No, they were kicking off with 13 seconds left and still lost. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's tough to do. Now, what do you, what did you think of the play? Everyone's talking about the fact that they kicked it through 
you know, the end zone there and that, and didn't take any time off the clock. However, you know, um, Hill had had some success running the ball back earlier in the the game. You don't need to kick it to Hill. You, you squib it somewhere, squib it, squib it down there towards one of the up backs and let them do it. And if they want to take it and then get it to Hill. Yeah. I really, honestly, I really probably would have done the same thing. Had I been a coach, I'll just be completely honest. You know, we're talking about 13 seconds now, granted Kansas city had three timeouts and Patrick Mahomes, but (laughs) You don't see very many teams um, scoring and, you know, being able to get the ball in a, in a field goal position in two plays and um, and kicking it to, to get there. You know, it's just I, one of those things. I would have squibbed it because that's that's conventional wisdom, right? You don't – the squib kick will give Veps a little bit of field position. But it uses time and it prevents the – big run back because you can't set up a you can't set up a run back you can't set up a play um when you don't know where the ball is going to go and it's bouncing in and you, you can't get things started um so you don't end up giving up the big run back but you but it's only going to take me roughly what two three seconds off the clock but that's still two three seconds it usually takes four or five but um you only got 13 you might as well um and then it because it but it, it would it shortens it from two plays to one play and so you, it's the difference between a hail mary and uh, the ability of to get two two plays off and try and get in field goal range. So I would have squibbed it. In the end, I don't think that matters. What matters more is the play uh, after there's the two plays after that, where they gave up two big plays to get yeah. them in. And um, the Bills' defense was gassed, but that was also not the only problem. I mean, you also have the you know, there's no, there's only single outside coverage on Kelsey and the whole middle of the field wide open for him. It was yeah. just a, a quick little slant and, and, you know, 25 yards and they get, they get in range. I mean, you, you got to take that away from him. Yeah. I thought Josh Allen, you know, definitely played his, his butt off in this game. But if mm-hmm. you really take a look at it in the advanced stats in this thing, it was, it was closer than, it was it was not as close as the score was kind of made out to be because the bills had to convert four fourth down conversions some of those longer than 10 yards just to even be in the game yeah um and um you know and the chiefs well you can you can put that on the chiefs or whatever um but nonetheless i think in the end the chiefs probably were the team that deserved to win based on the overall play but you can't take anything away from Josh Allen and the way that he played that game was epic, you know, as far mm-hmm. as the back and forth and stuff in the final uh, few minutes, uh, fun well, game, but 25 points in the last minute 50. Yeah. It's that's nuts. It's fun. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's when football is just really fun. You have no idea what the heck's going to get going to uh, happen next. I really like the, the Bengals over the Titans. Um, yep. There's just something about Burrow that's special. And I think he's going to be a special player for a long time in this league. Uh, the 49ers over the Packers. That was kind of interesting to me. It ended up being a more of a defensive game. Um, that game was terrible. That game was hard to watch. Yeah. It, was so, it was so bad. The You can't have watched that game and felt the 49ers were the better team. I mean, they they could not do they weren't the worst. They weren't the worst team, though. They were um, for everything. You know, because the Packers only ran the ball for like 60, 65 yards. 
Um, Rodgers didn't do anything special. He didn't throw any touchdowns, didn't throw any interceptions either. But they just didn't do enough to win a game at home against an inferior opponent. Against an inferior opponent. That's That's the part. Is you... They're at no point in this entire season from week one and through all the way till right the second have the 49ers looked like a good football team out there. They've yeah. done a little here. They've done a little there. They've got a couple lucky breaks. They've made a couple plays. I mean, the 49ers won that game with Garoppolo completing 11 and 19 for 131 yards in the interception and only ran the ball 106 yards total offense. Yeah. And they so won. They- they did they did nothing offensively. The defense played pretty well. They did but they they did nothing offensively. They scored three points. That's it. Total. Um, they won that game because of a blocked punt return for a touchdown and a blocked field goal. And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That, I know. They, that's it. That's but it. The, the, but that's like I said, the Packers didn't do enough to win that game. The Packers sure. needed to win to go win that game, and they didn't do enough. Oh, which, absolutely. You know, I would agree. So I'm with not going to. I'm not going to give it to the 49ers. I mean, obviously, but yeah. you know, the anyway. What do you think of the Rams uh, Bucks game and kind of the ramifications of that? Well, the right team won that game. The Rams freaking blew them out. And then decided to be stupid and fumble the ball over and over and over again. I think they had four fumbles um, to get the to get the had um, a couple of them critical yeah, situations. He had one at the goal line and then one at the end when he was he was going to get the first oh, down and then fumbled yeah. the ball. And if he gets that first down, they you know they only have to get one more first down and the and the game's over. Um, and you know Cooper Cup had one right. <laughs> How often does that guy make a mistake? Um, it, it just overall, it was bad. And like I said, I think they lost four fumbles total in that game. Um, and that yeah, they the looked, Bucks, yeah, they looked, they looked clearly that, better, especially in the first half. Yeah, that gave the Bucks a chance to get back into it. But really, what it was was, um, you know, the Rams made um, all the mistakes in the second half. I it never felt other than that one three play seventy seven yard drive where Brady hit 
um, Evans on that beautiful ball down the um, the right sideline. Other than that, the Bucks didn't make a lot of plays in this game on either side of the ball. Um, no, not really. The Rams dominated the game when they held on to the football and they let the Bucks back in it when they, um, you know, started fumbling it. But it's not like Brady, Brady wasn't good in that game. So the whole like, every, people talking about him retiring, like, yeah, I could see it. He he didn't play well. So, um, so yeah, so fun fun weekend overall. What do you think of the matchups in the AFC and NFC championship championship um, games? I mean, they're they're great. I mean, do you think the Bengals have a shot? Yeah, I do. I do too, because um, they're they're a good solid team. And I I've been saying this um, all year. I think the Bengals are a year away. I think their roster is set up for next year to be the year where they um, are ready. I mean, they did hold the Titans to sixteen points, and if yeah. they can keep the Chiefs under. Um, 25, they might have a shot, but the Bengals, even though they put up yardage, they don't seem to score a lot of points, you know, which is yep. which would be concerning to me. But the Titans have a pretty decent defense, too. It'll be interesting to see because the the Chiefs will allow you to score. Um, but that, that'll be a fun game. That'll be a super fun game, really. Yeah. And then the Rams 49ers game shouldn't be fun. It wow. should be it oh. should be a it should be a one-sided blowout because you've got one team which has clearly got more talent than the other. <laughs> but the 49ers um, have won the last six games. But you have matchup. you have a coaching matchup that just favors the 49ers. Uh I don't know what it is, but Shanahan has McVay's number. He they Look at what happened in the the final game of the season. Like the Rams jumped out seventeen nothing early, and then Forty ers actually came back and won. I don't. It's just something about that. Uh, Shanahan just has the ability to know what Sean McVay is gonna do and counter it before it happens, uh, and it's just uncanny. And so, who knows what's gonna happen in that game? I, I think mean, the that, difference is though that Matthew Stafford. I think that that's going to be the difference this time and and possibly puts them over the top in this game. I just, Garoppolo is just not that guy. I, yeah. It's I mean, hard they, for me to see a Garoppolo um, quarterback winning an NFC championship game. It's just, I have a hard time, but, you know, he's been there before. They've done it. He, you know, he, they figure out ways. It's crazy. Yeah. They won with him throwing for 138 yards and an interception, no touchdowns. I, I know. Um, All right. And... So let's talk Seahawks football. Okay. Um, we do that around here, I think. Yeah. You know, enough about, enough about those guys. Um, so let's just start in the trenches here with this team. Um, when you go through the roster and you, you look at who's under contract, there's some future deals. So I'm not really going to play that Mm-mm. much, much attention to those deals right now. Even, even if I did, there's a number of players on there that aren't even relevant to the conversation about depth and, and uh, rotation and all that kind of stuff. So really, what we've got at defensive tackle is Puna Ford and a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, Brian Monet's is uh, kind of an uh, exclusive rights guy. They probably have him back. When you take a look, though, at advanced stats, I know Brian Monet. A lot of people feel he does a great job and stuff, but he's just really another rotation piece. He is. I think um, a kind of a re- replacement-level person in there, whether it's him or somebody else, that, that position group is one of the weaker position groups on the team and is going to need some serious attention this offseason. It is, and I think that that – 
I mean, they're set up to to make some moves there because they don't. You're right. They've got Puna Ford, who is a um, you know borderline Pro Bowl player, um, and you know Brian Monet as an exclusive rights guy, he'll be back on a minimum deal, like you know four hundred and eighty thousand. Is ends up being what what a lot of those guys make, and so um, you know he's he'll make practically nothing, so he'll be back. Um, but there's no depth, and and Monet's not a starter. He's a guy that should be your third or fourth tackle that rotates in, um, plays in your goal line, your short yardage situations, um, and that's about it, right? He that's that's kind of his his ideal role. Uh, you need that other guy. Now they used to have John Reed. He's gone. They brought in Al Woods. Al Woods played, you know, amazingly well this year, um, considering his age and and the fact that he's just a journeyman. Uh, but he's an unrestricted free agent. Robert Kim Dice, a former first round pick of Arizona, was brought in. He was, you know, active and then inactive and then active again and never really did much. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent, probably gone. And then you've got futures guys. I mean, the middle of that defense is it's Puna and nothing. Right yeah. Now. Right. Really the cupboards are bare and, and the Seahawks, you know, if you take a look at, at the salary cap too, you know, right now over the cap is projecting us at 42 last week, last week we were talking, it was 52. Obviously some adjustments were made, uh, in, in the week. Um, and so it's at 42 when you take a look at the real number it's probably closer to 32 um so but there are some moves that the seahawks can make in order to adjust that bobby wagner's got a big number there could be a restructure there or a trade or a cut russell wilson could obviously have his contract restructured somehow or another to help out um a few other moves um but you know realistically we do have some opportunity to address uh the, the holes that we have but this one seems to just be a real big one um yeah. the other one would be cornerback where we've got trey brown and then a whole lot of nothing mm-hmm. and we're gonna have to make some decisions whether we want to spend the money to retain uh players like uh, dj reed and sydney jones at least one of them you know to come back um so what are your thoughts on the cornerback position as being the other kind of weak link on the defense right now well, it was it was the massive weak link all season, and and now you've got your two starters, your two guys that actually played well um, as unrestricted free agents, and so you're going to have to pay them to come back. And they, I mean, DJ Reed was pretty good. Sidney Jones played better down the stretch, but ultimately, you know, I mean, this was the weakest part of the defense, and now they're going to the weakest part of the defense is going to cost more just to be the same, and that's not a good that's uh, place to be. And so, and you got Trey Brown, but Trey Brown's coming coming back from a fairly devastating uh, patella tendon inj- uh, injury. So um, they're they're hurting. They need a starter at cornerback. Um, yeah, because you because I don't think you can trust Trey Brown early in the season. Just you got to let give him an opportunity. Do you think to if get you find DJ Reed and Sidney Jones that that would be enough of a move for this team? Plus, uh, you know, maybe a rookie, maybe a couple other low low level uh rotation guys to come in do you think that's enough to address a, no. that position no because they needed an upgrade they need to take one of those two guys dj Reed and sydney jones and turn them in and turn them into a, a a better player so that way they actually upgrade that um cornerback position because that was a weakness now i will say that um if there's a scheme change and let's say they go mm-hmm. to a cover two instead of a, a cover three um well, now you need a different kind of corner. 
and you're not going to rely on your corners as much because they're going to be um, up, jam the receiver, and then you cover the flat. You don't, they don't get back deep. They don't have to run with people. Um, and if that's the case, well, then this is a completely different conversation because well, you can the, the get conversation by with needs, different, get yeah. with different corners. The conversation then needs to turn into free safety and that becomes a more important position. So let's talk yes. about safeties. Um, you know, as part of that right now, we've got Jamal Adams had the surgery. We anticipate he would come back full strength at, at camp, but we've seen him get injured now two years in a row, miss parts of seasons. Um, then Marquise Blair, another player that that has had injury concerns and, and been out extensive time uh, that hasn't really made an impact on the defense yet. Ugo Amadi, you know, is another just kind of a less than Pro Bowl level guy, but but adequate for you in certain spots. Ryan Neal's a restricted free agent. Quandre Diggs is unrestricted. Team mm-hmm. needs to decide whether they're going to re-sign him or not and how much it's going to cost. In addition to Quandre Diggs, there's really no other free safety option on the team. And if the team's going to run some of that back end cover two stuff, they need they need to address that. Well, if you're going to run a cover three, your free safety is uh, an extremely important part of your defense because they you got to cover the middle of the field, but also you you end up rotating and helping uh, the cornerbacks as well. When you play the cover in two, a single in a single high type situation, yeah, and so in, and in the cover two, if they go that way, well, now you've got two safeties back there, and you split the field in half. They don't need to go. They don't need to have as much range, um, and and that kind of stuff. So you look at that and you go, okay, well, what are you going to do there? Um, Ugo Amadi has the speed. He doesn't have a great size, but he's got good coverage ability. We know because he's a nickel corner when he's not playing free safety. Um, maybe Ryan Neal can. Marquise Blair, Marquise Blair could be that guy. Marquise Blair could, could be that if he can stay healthy. So if you're going to go to that cover two system, you know, again, you might have with with, with Blair and Amadi, you might have the guys that you're looking for and Ryan Neal in there too. Um, but if you're going to go single high and you're going to go back to the cover three and do what the CX have been doing, none of those guys are 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 that guy. I mean, Quandre Diggs was borderline. And right. he was real, and he was really good. Yeah, uh, right. You need right. a guy with you need a guy with some serious wheels that can cover a lot of ground, and, uh, and that's yeah, and that's what um, Earl Thomas was, and why he was so great. But you've got to find a player that can do those things, and there's not one on the roster right now. Whew. So right there, we've 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 mentioned three position groups already, and I'm I'm deeply concerned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we only have so much money and we've got big holes on the other side. We've got extensions to think about, you know, we're signing, re-signing Quandre Diggs. who got it more expensive as, as the play improved, uh, you know, in the second half of the season. Um, and it just depends. We're depending on just a small group of players to really step up. And I just lack the confidence that that's going to happen. So, well, let's, let's look at, at, uh, defensive end because some of the answer is going to lie there because you've got Benson which, Mioa, which is, is a which is the position group that Pete said we have to address in the offseason. Yeah. Um, so Benson Mayoa, who is infinitely cuttable, uh, LJ Collier, Collier, who didn't do much this year after having a, um, a better year have, the year before. He did have one of the highest percentage uh, quarterback pass rush rush win rates on the team though 
Yeah, yeah. like uh, four, 14 point something percent. Yeah, but he's which is so, low, which is middling so anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Alton Robinson, Daryl Taylor both looked good. Carrie Hyder was a disappointment. Carlos Dunlap spent the first half of the year um completely invisible and then came on it later in the year. Um, and that's what's on your roster. Um, you know, Rasheem so Green, who talk, is one of the one of the guys who played better, he's an unrestricted free agent. So this is one of the groups I think that was impacted the most by the ineptitude of um, Ken Norton Jr. The most, mm-hmm. as far as player usage, scheme. Uh, in in scheme, what I'm talking about mostly is guys out of this position group dropping back into coverage um, quite frequently. Sometimes up to thirty percent of their snaps was coverage uh, snaps, and I'm talking about guys like Benson Mayoa and um daryl taylor yeah and, and Alton so, robinson right and so you know i'm hoping for a little bit of a change and and just the change in scheme matching up with personnel correctly may improve this group as it is but we've got uh benson mayo a collier robinson dunlap hyder and taylor are all under contract now it doesn't necessarily mean that i'll all be back on the team team can move on they can cut there's some cap savings to be had small cap savings with each one of these players, but nonetheless, it is there if they decide to move on. Um, And then Marcus Webb is a player that's a restricted guy. Rasheem Green is the unrestricted guy we hadn't mentioned yet. He is, you know, back if the team wants him back and wants to pay him. Otherwise, he's going to be out there looking to get a payday. And and that seemingly seems more likely than not, just based on the sheer number of holes that we have on this team. I don't know if they're going to be able to afford him. He was the best five tech um, on the roster. Yes. Sorry, Kerry Hyder Jr. Um, you were outplayed by Rasheem Green this year. Uh, and LJ Collier, sorry, you were outplayed by everyone on the roster this year. Um, but Rasheem Green was the best one. And so what do you do with that? I mean, do you, if, if yeah. you watch. Well, and you've you got have, Pete you... Carroll out there saying that this is the group that needs to be improved the most. So is he one of those guys that's your core guy that you're going to bring back and build around? Or is he a guy you're going to let go and you might let go two or three of these other guys that are under contract and just try to rebuild this entire thing from scratch? I don't know. Well, see, well that's why we were, you were saying, oh, we don't, you know, we, we've got all these holes and we don't have a lot of money. Well, I look at this and I go, um, this position, you've got Robinson and Taylor, Taylor and Dunlap, who the three of them make your two starters and your, your primary rotation piece. Um, and everyone else is expendable. Bringing a rookie or two to mm-hmm. um, to to kind of round out and give you some depth, but those three guys give you the rotation that you need at defensive end, and the rest of it just didn't contribute this last yeah. year. And I, think I that's even what bring back Kerry Hyder and hope that a scheme change can help Kerry Hyder be more effective as well. Yeah, and he is under contract. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you, okay, so you bring those four guys back. You you know. It, Taylor Hyder, so, so Robinson, and and okay. um, but let's and, combine that with the defensive tackle group, and and tell me where they what they need to do to make that group whole. Like, what would well, be your off season plan in general? My off season plan would be to to get a nose tackle and move Puna Ford to the third th- the three technique because that's interesting. His, his pass rush win rate um, 
was really good for a defensive tackle. I think he was t- he was number ten overall in the entire NFL. And this was this is with him playing nose tackle and most of the time being asked to just eat blocks and, so and eat you that would, double team. You would rather take take a chance on Puna Ford over at a three tech full time and bring in a nose tackle rather than switch that around. Yeah. Because nose tackle is going to cost you half as much. Yeah, and Puna's already paid for, essentially. I mean, he's under he's, contract. and He's already paid for, and you've seen him do it. I mean, his ability his ability to get upfield and, and rush the passer, he's, like you said, he's the 10th I was best ho- in the entire NFL. I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I was hoping that the team would spend a little, throw a little bit more money at that particular situation, just because I think it's really critical that we have some sort of game wrecker on the roster. I'm just not sure that Puna Ford is that guy. I don't know if he's that guy that's able to draw double teams and still get uh, the job done in the interior push there in order to take some of the pressure off of guys like Dunlap and uh, Hyder and, and Taylor and so forth. I'm just not sold. I, I get, though, what you're saying. Um, and I, that would be a decision that's going to need to be made by the new regime. And um, I get I get it. I really do, because I think Puna Ford probably is a better three tech than he is working on the inside, um, mm-hmm. just as a run stuffer kind of a guy. Uh, especially if you could get a guy like Al Woods back. That, that, to me, that it, it it seems like the team already had that option. They had Al Woods, and you know how big Al Woods is, and he's a he's a kind of a space eater. They didn't run that though. They didn't they didn't use Al Woods in that way, along with Puna Ford. They kind of played them in tandem there, kind yep. of doing the same job. Yeah, they they both were interior space eaters, and that's what they asked them to do. And yet Puna Ford and, still had a pass rush win rate yes. that would put him in the top 10 in the NFL, um, even though they, what they were asking him to do was to be a nose tackle and eat yes. blocks and, and keep other people clean. Um, that's why I think if you put him at three tech and you tell him to just go eat, that he will. Um, but you've got to put a body next to him that can do the job there and keep yes. him clean. Keep him as the guy um, that isn't getting double teamed um, because your nose tackle is eating that center block and forcing um, the guard to block Puna by himself. And that's what this team needs, I think. Now, you can leave Puna at the nose tackle and let him do that job, and you can bring in a game wrecker at the three tech, but it's going to cost you a lot more than getting that nose tackle. And I well, think I think you find a guy a, like that in the draft. I think you can get a guy to be the nose tackle next to Puna well, cheaper and later or later in the draft than you. Let's could talk you about Brian Monet. Tech. What do you think about Brian Monet as the space eater? I mean, um, he's been there doing it, but I just not. He's just he's not. A, he's a giant man who eats space whether he wants to or not. But um, at the same time, he just he doesn't have that that strength, that power. He's just huge and hard to move. Um, and I, I honestly, you said it earlier. He called him a replacement level player, and I think that's fitting. Um, he is a guy that's part of a rotation, and he can make some plays and he can, you know, eat, play, get, play some snaps and give guys a break, but he's never going to be a guy that is a ma- major contributor to a great defense. Okay. So we haven't talked about um, a couple things yet. Let's talk about the linebacker situation. 
Yeah. Um, under contract currently, Bobby Wagner. He's got a big number. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, $20 million cap hit. He's got, um, he's the second highest paid player on the team by a long shot. Mm-hmm. And he would have a 16 million six hundred thousand dollar savings if we were to move on from bobby wagner or we restructure and extend you know which seems more likely Mm -hmm. um to give us a little bit more spending money and to help round out the roster um and then we've got jordan brooks obviously cody barton nick belor ben burkirvan and then a whole bunch of guys on future contracts um that seems to be the 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 roster position group that's that's the best uh in in the best shape but there's still that question mark about bobby wagner well nick belor and ben burkirvan are special teams players listed at linebacker but can't play linebacker um i mean they 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 would bring in ben burkirvan in an emergency to play outside linebacker and nick you know that but if you put you're playing those guys anything significant at on defense you're gonna get crushed um but the other three guys i mean bobby wagner is one of the best that's ever done it um jordan brooks looks absolutely fantastic and nick Belor, who's been kind of a disappointment cody barton uh or sorry yeah cody barton has been kind of a disappointment because you think a third round pick you keep waiting for him to to get a chance to get in and do more than just play on special teams but then he finally did um the last two weeks when he was replacing bobby wagner and that did look good. Like he, I mean, he's not Bobby Wagner, but nobody is. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't nearly the, this massive drop off that we were expecting. So, um, you know, there, so how does the team approach this position group in the off season? It really seems to me like it's, if you decide that you, that Cody Barton's a, a contributor and you're going to put Daryl Taylor as a strong side guy, or you're going to put uh Kerry Hyder or, or even a guy like Benson Mayo out there, and just kind of have this big rotation. It seems like maybe the linebacker spot is okay for this year if they, you know, rework Bobby Wagner and, and so forth. Yep. If they rework um, Bobby Wagner's contract and they go ahead and extend him a year or two, keep him under contract, but get his cap number down under control. Um, I think you're you're kind of done at linebacker because you've got you've got your two main starters and you've got a third guy that can rotate through. And then you have to figure out what you're going to do at the strong side, um, whether you're yeah. going to use the Benson Mayoa group or whether you're going to bring in a guy who actually is a linebacker. Um, yeah. And they do have a couple guys on the uh, futures contract guys that they really like. Um, Radigan uh, yep. hurt his knee. He got, he had like an ACL and he's going to have to figure that out. But even Aaron Donkers is good. Tanner Muse yep. is a guy that they brought in um, that has some potential as well. So, mm-hmm. Um, so those last two positions, defensive end and linebacker, get, there's a lot of names already under contract, so they don't need to go add a bunch of a bunch of players. And there's uh, opportunities to increase your cap your cap uh, spending um, ability, so you can go get that defensive tackle or cornerback that you need. So really, those two position groups kind of dictate what you're going to do this off season. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, this conversation was, I mean, we spent some time talking about the uh, the NFL in general, but this conversation was kind of short and sweet because really, you know, those two position groups are, are okay. I mean, we're going to have to address those things, um, but it's the defensive tackle and cornerback group to me that's just, it's almost mm-hmm. like it's empty and we just need to start over. 
It really comes down to um, what you're going to do with the defense, because if they bring in a new coordinator, that's going to go, they're going to switch and run more of the cover two, then what you need at corner and safety is different than what you need. If you're going to run the cover three that they've been running. And I think that that's the kind of thing that you have to answer because if they need if they switch to the cover two, they may be okay at safety. If they go with cover three, they need a free safety badly. If I that's Quandary that Diggs, well, fine. But. Yeah, I mean, Quandary Diggs may or may not come back. So I still, yeah. even if Quandary Diggs comes back, I still think that they'd go out and get a free safety, whether it's in the draft or, you know, a mid tier guy in, um, to, to, that's got some experience maybe in that defense, mm-hmm. whichever defense we bring in um would would make a lot of sense to me because that's uh, that would be a critical area and i don't want to get left behind like we have been the last couple of years we just seem to have talent deficits on, on key positions and the corner group the last couple of years even when we had griffin was still marginal you know with trey flowers back there and, and whatnot so i'd love to be able to invest a little bit of money in the corner and and safety group this this off season. See, I don't um, want I don't want to spend any capital or money on safety unless I know I know you don't. Un- but a free safety is really important in this defense. But, yeah, true. But as a team, wh- where do you want to spend your money? Where is where does your priorities? How do you? Well, I take roster? it I take it out of Bobby Wagner's pocket and I'd put it in those position groups. To be completely honest with you, see, I don't want you've already got so much so many resources. Um, you know, Jamal Adams and, is the fifth highest paid defensive back in general. I'm not even talking safety, just defensive backs yeah. in general, right? You, and but Bobby so Wagner's many... also paid out at the Wazoo for a for a linebacker. So if we could Again, restructure Bobby, get yeah. that cap in line with where you need to be, and turn that money over to your defensive tackle group, I agree with that. You said that earlier, but yeah. also the defensive backs, I think, still could use some help. I think that if you're building a roster, where do you want to spend your money and your resources? You want to spend them on the defensive line and at cornerback. You want to want to be able to cover the receivers so you can get to the quarterback and you need a talent to get to the quarterback. Um, And instead the Seahawks have this tendency to spend on linebacker and safety. And I think that has burned them over the last few years. So I don't want to spend a lot of money at, at safety. Um, now, if it, if that's what it takes to bring Quandre Diggs back, fine. Um, but I want to spend that money at corner. If they free up a bunch of money with Bobby Wagner's contract and extending him and, and you know, get themselves $10 million to spend extra, I'll go get yourself a top corner. Don't spend a dime on, on, on another safety because safety is not an impact position the way that cornerback can be. Agreed. All right. So this sets us up for the rest of the year. So we've talked about the roster. Now we can start talking about uh, free agency, our own free agents, what's out there, what's available, um, what might help us, good scheme fits, all that kind of stuff. We'll have a conversation about coaches, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, with soon. regards, Yeah, with regards to scheme, how it all fits. It's like building building a, a puzzle. Um and then we'll we'll be evaluating prospects, you know, players out of the out of the NFL draft, and those shows will start soon for the Seahawks. So, good, awesome, thank you, Keith. Uh, let's get out of here. Yeah. 
So find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at MW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Seahawksplaybook.com has all the everything. Find us on your favorite plat, uh, podcast platform and YouTube. And make sure you subscribe. Until next time, go Hawks. Lots. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.